Welcome to another Vireal USA podcast, number four in our young season. This is Alan, and I'm here with Joseph from Miami, enjoying the warm weather. How are you doing tonight? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Loving the weather. Every day I'm here. Trust me. Yep. Yep. Rub it in. When, when, is, <laughs> it, when is it you live for Vireal? You leave for Vireal again? Uh, September 24th. Okay. And yeah, it'll be, yeah. it's good because the, because the, the ocean is still on the same side of the, of the. Yeah, I don't even think I'm worried about that, honestly. I mean, I, I've been to the beach at least three times this week. Sorry to rub it in anybody's face who doesn't live near the ocean, but <laughs> right. it's, 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 it's great. I'm sorry. It's great. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, um, back from New England where I, um, used to live and, uh, rejoined the humidity that reminded me why I left. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, well, we've, we had a match today against Schalke, um, which was, I guess, the last match in whatever this cup of the team's training in Austria was called, the Hero Cup or something. Yeah. And after four straight wins, we didn't do so well. So, um, yes. Admittedly against a better team. Probably the best of the entire German games we've played or the Austrian German games we've played. Right. Well, Schalke, I mean, last year was a real downer for them, but they, I think. Yeah. They, yeah. They definitely had a down season like us. No one expected them to, yeah. to be actually relegation fighters at the, at that point in their season. So kind of like a, a track like us, but nonetheless, I mean, a team that still loaded with talent and, um, you know, definitely the, the toughest challenge we face considering the games before or against games like against Cologne that Cologne that, uh, you know, just newly promoted again. Right. And I think, I think the other thing is it seemed to me, I mean, you saw most, you saw more of the match than I did, but my sense was also that the, um, I think they sort of had been able to scout the first couple of games against us and sort of, knew how to, you know, had ideas for how to exploit our weaknesses, and those turned out pretty good. Um, Yeah. And I saw um, several of, I think, I thought the people who were watching and commenting on our site did a very good job of summarizing what was going on. It did remind me a lot of some of the matches of last season where we essentially had no midfield presence and that left our back line exposed. Um, is that kind of what you saw? Yes, yes, more or less. I mean, definitely I would say midfield was one of the weakest points. Um, you know, I, like I said, a lot of the commenters said a lot of really good things that like I, I literally just pay attention to. And I'm like, wow, yeah, like, that's definitely how I would summarize it. Um, obviously, one of the things being he's playing Cazorla a little bit more in a defensive, a little bit back more um which i was telling you before we started recording this is like when i when i'm watching the run up to the first goal um obviously i think it was julian peterson commented and said that cazorla you know lost his man marker and i mean that's what contributed to pal torres having to come over and cover his mm-hmm. man who we obviously mm-hmm. got beat put the pass in really easy tap in goal um you know off the first watch when i see that obviously i blame it on pal i'm like well you got beat very easily kid and easy pass led to the goal but peterson's right i mean when i look at it because uh, Orla lost his man and it contributed to the goal. Those defensive qualities that we were asking him to do, I mean, like I was telling you before, it worries me, really, really worries me because, you know, at his age and coming off a major injury still within the last two years, I mean, I just, I don't think that's like quite what you want to do. I think he needs to be pushed 
you know, farther up the field in a more attacking role and obviously like leave Anguisa behind him to leave in that defensive role to clean up. But uh, the midfield definitely was really um was a really weak point, disappointing for me. I mean, I wasn't expecting much out of Anguisa if it's his first game, but regardless, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and I, I think I mean, okay, it is preseason, and if you're going to experiment, this is the time to do it. Um, yeah, putting yeah. Gerard on the right wing basically <laughs> was an interesting thing. I think we proved it doesn't. I don't think it works very well. Um, you know, my sense is for whatever reason that, and I'm not a, I mean, there, there are guys who can, who can, you know, go on for hours about the various formations and tactics and I am not one of them. But if you think about where, you know, the classic Virial Pellegrini formation was very narrow with a sort of almost like a 4-2-2-2 where the, where the, the guys who were um on the on the um essentially would have been your outside midfielders in a four four two pinch in you're relying on your fullbacks to give you the width in in attacking and I think that's what Kaleha sort of you know grew up with what he what he played when he was yeah. at Virial. um he keeps trying to go to this diamond midfield and and um it doesn't seem to matter what the personnel is that we have when he's trying to go to the diamond to get width. We, we don't seem to do very well. And I think part of it today was that if you had at the base of a diamond, you had Santi. Well, he's not a defensive midfielder and that exactly. And that kind of, I think, I think proves itself. Um, it, it was interesting though that, um, we talk about Ibora being a, I really like Ibora. He's a, he's a really, um, dynamite player. He's very committed mm-hmm. to the team. I yeah, almost, I mean, his, his, his goal, our, our only goal of the match, I mean, while it was a fantastic assist from Cazola, I mean, the volley, still outstanding to hit it and hit yeah. it perfectly. Yep. And he, and he's just one of these guys that you almost feel like he's, he's one of these, just let him play all over the field where, where he. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. I mean, I, I don't, I, a lot of people want to pigeonhole him like, oh, he needs to be here. He needs to do this. And I can see it, but I just think, you know, you can put him anywhere. Like, I don't even mind him playing an attacking mid, you know, way up the pitch, higher up. I see a lot of people say they don't want him there, but I, I personally don't mind seeing it. I think he does well there as well as any other position. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's definitely very good at reading the game. Um, and I think he's, I think he's obviously adds one of the things that's been interesting for long time Virial fans is that ever since Ibora joined us, you know, the number of, of headed goals and, and, uh, the, the, have, have really gone up because we've always been a team that played more along the ground, you know, and he's, really um added that element along with I guess Funes Mori as well. But but I think that it's it's interesting. It seems like we are still today was sort of a lot of experimentation I I felt like um kind of showed me that we can um against a good team but counterattacks we still have those problems um with our 
formation just not being able and personnel just not being able to stop the play in midfield. I think Anguissa is better at that once once he's more used to things. Yeah, that's my feelings on it too. I mean, like I said, just watching his little bit of action from his first game after only being here a week. I mean, it's it's tough to for me to judge anybody at that time point. But you know, he made some very good tackles, some very good challenges. Uh, Like I was telling you before we started recording, I mean. On the lead up to the first goal, I, he missed his challenge, which allowed the man to pass it off to um, Cal Torres' man and beat him really quick. So obviously in that situation, if he's playing above to stop that attack, I would like him to make that tackle and not have the attack go up and make Powell defend one-on-one and get beat so easily like that. But like like you said, hopefully comes with time and you know he'll be a little bit better with that. It's like I'm not judging anybody based on that. Yeah, and I think that the second goal for Schalke was just – ridiculous because it was like it almost I, I have to go back and watch the tape again but it almost seemed like a five on one I mean the guy that scored was actually not even the most open <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and that was that was um, th- that was something that again I think just yeah uh, another, another thing I would add as well and I almost forgot to add this is that I wasn't feeling too confident about Fernandez in goal either. There were a couple of times he was no, very shaky yeah. with certain things, and that kind of upset me a little bit because, you know, he had a good couple of games, and I was. it's nice to see that. And then you have a game like this, and he, he just did not look confident at all to me. Some of the um, some of these set pieces especially. Yeah, and, and just some of his playing out from the back too. Yeah, exactly. it was interesting because I, I think that um, we had um, seen – I mean, he's always been like this, you know, when he was, he had that couple of years, one in particular with Osasuna, where he was really incredible. I mean, that was, that was what made us want to sign him. And as, as I recall, the kind of like the chic at Malaga now with Ontiveros, the president of, of Osasuna didn't want to sell him. So it didn't happen. And, you know, eventually we, we got him later, but, He's always been when he's great he he's really outstanding, but boy, he can have some fairly um clunker games, and I felt like today he did not look confident back there, yeah, yeah, um, I mean, and like I said that's not yeah, that's not a huge worry of mine, considering obviously we also have a Senho, but I mean obviously like i it that never makes me happy to see your other keeper who's going to be playing more often than not as well, like not not feeling very confident. Yeah, and I think there, I, and I think there are some questions um, among the fans as far as you know. So is Asenjo really? Has he lost his starting role? Is he sort of, you know, last year at the end of the year, Andres was playing more. Um, yeah. You know that. I mean, it, it's a, it's nice to have competition, but I think the fans certainly are more excited about about Asenjo and goal. And I suppose I am too, although when, as I say, when Andres has been good, he's been really, really good. It's just, he's, he's been very, um, there have been times and it, yeah. you know, there have been times when he, when he hasn't been particularly though. Yeah, I exactly. To, I have to say in his defense, it's been when he played in the Europa League where he wasn't getting any other game time. That's when he was, he's a, he's a keeper who has to sort of play regularly to stay sharp. Yeah, and I, I definitely understand that. It's just my, my personal issue is when you don't have a very strong defense, especially actually when it might be your worst unit, you could say, you mm-hmm. want your keeper to be confident. I mean, they, 
he will be leading those guys, directing those guys. And the last thing you need, and I'm sure a lot of people will agree, is a keeper who doesn't look confident, a keeper who's not in his game. It's just going to make your problems even worse at the back. So that, that's what personally worries me. Right. Yeah, and I think the thing, I mean, Asenho, I think, of the two, is a is on average a better shot stopper. He Distribution has always been an issue with him. I don't think he's a... He's great at clearing out from the back necessarily. Um, you know, Andres, when he's, there have been times when he's looked better than, than Sergio, but then there have been times when he hasn't. So, you know, it's, it's hard to know. Um, so we didn't get to see, we didn't get to see Samu today because he's, he's just mm-hmm. returning to the squad. Um, Gerard on the right wing was an interesting adventure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, something, you know, I, I hope we don't see, but if we do, I mean, who knows? Maybe he pulls it around the second time around. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always thought he was an interesting player. I mean, Sid mentioned the other night that he, you know, at Espanol, Gerard was the guy, you know, and it was a little different coming into Villarreal. I've always thought he, he's excellent at a, He's kind of interesting because he, because he's a kind of a hold a, a target man, but he's a very good passer as well. But it's more from the mm-hmm. middle pitch. He's not somebody who's good at crossing the ball from the right or things like that. So, you know, I I sort of feel like unless we played a four three three with um you know Baca and Ekambi and yeah. Gerard, I don't really see the value of him being on a wing like that but you know yeah if if you're talking about playing like a front three for instance like a four through three like you're saying I mean I think the question that everyone would have to ask themselves is okay you you have Baca you have Chukwesi obviously you have Toko Kambi of course who came on today and Mm -hmm. then you have Gerard and so your question would be then how do you fit them all on the field and if you probably don't then who is the odd man out at this point yeah no matter yeah. who you put on the wings and no matter who you put in that central role, at this point, who do you think is that odd man out? And that's the question, obviously, he's trying to answer, Calleja, as well as us. We're trying to find out because, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the transfer window, some people thought Baca might go. You know, we thought Chukwesi might go. But since they're all still here and, you know, they're all still <laughs> most likely obviously going to stay, the question is, who you know, who rides that bench? Who Who do you think? Yeah, and it's – I mean, for me, it's like I, I kind of – whether it's a four-three-three or whatever we're playing, I think to me it's the it's one of Gerard or Baca because they both need to be sort of in the in the middle, the central. And I, th- you know, Ekambi can play on the left. He he did that some with us last year. He did it with Angers. Um so he can he can play that kind of role. And the thing is with him, he's not, he's, a, he's kind of an interesting guy because he's, because he's got the speed, he's got the skill, he's got, you know, he's not a great finisher. He's one of those guys who is, who is good at creating a bunch of chances. And so he'll, he'll finish enough of them because he's creating a bunch, but he's not one of those strikers. Yeah, just, prolific finishers. Yeah, and, he's and not, especially I think going back to last season, I remember we had a lot of one-on-one opportunities that were just were not put away. Yeah, well, part of it is I think for him, he's a player who has to be involved in the play a lot more. You know, he the your your classic 
um, center forward who kind of over 90 minutes sort of drifts around and hardly sees the ball, but then he gets one chance and he buries it. Yeah. That's not, <laughs> that's not a count. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, he need, he, he's great. He's, he likes the ball at his feet. He likes to run. He likes to run with the ball. He likes to challenge people. He's not going to, you know, he's going to need four or five opportunities to, to put away one or two. You know, he's not. And so when he, when he, when he was a, didn't play well last year or had, or had poor games, it was basically when he sort of drifted out of play and just didn't get that much chance. Gerard, I think, is better at, and Baca both are better at sort of the, sort of, well, I'm, I'm here, I'm gonna work hard, and eventually I'm gonna get that one yeah. chance. And that's what I love most about Baca. I mean, his work yeah. rate is absolutely exceptional. And like, I'm not just saying that because I'm Colombian, I swear, but like, <laughs> I think that like, <laughs> but I think that like, I just, it, for what you want in that role, I think that like, I think Baca, for uh, right now, especially the form that he was in up until this game, I mean, he had a chance this game, I did see, and he could have put it on goal, he didn't, uh, would have just been a little side foot hit. Little on yep. a little cross. I think it was like 15 minutes in, but I would like to see that on goal at the very least. But yes. up until today, I mean, he was prolifically scoring in the last two or three games or assisting. So I was very happy with that. But um, I yeah. think my, my other my other little thing is that so if you're playing that formation, that four through three, I, I saw. I think it was you actually that commented and you said that we should be playing a little bit more of a defensive style, considering our our misgivings and what's happening in those counterattacks. You know, oh, we should yeah. lean more towards our defensive style. Yeah, that wasn't me. Who was that? I can't remember. I, I remember Man. reading that though and thinking that somebody that, somebody said that. I said was saying, and I agreed with that because I said if that's uh, your if that's where your deficiencies lie, we're trying to play so much more attacking minded than I think maybe we're we're kind of meant to. Yeah, because I mean we do have some great attackers, and like I just told you, I mean at the end of the day, you're going to leave one of them on the bench, or if you want to play more defensive, possibly two. If you just want to play one striker up top, like you know, Baco or, or Gerard, so that, that leaves you with a little bit of a problem. But I think to mask our problems on that counterattack, we do – I agree with whoever commented. I mean, we, we should play a, a more defensive style, but it doesn't seem like he's leaning towards that at this point. Well, I think we still have the problem that I, I come back to the fact that we haven't – maybe Anguissa will do it. I mean, you know, we, we don't know. But we haven't replaced Rodri. And – the thing that we lack in what we saw today was Kaleha, you know, 1-1 at the break, and in the second half he goes more offensive. And we that get left, beat no less than 10 minutes in. Yeah, and that for that, left, for that second goal. Right, that left us open. And we – that's a lot of what we saw last year too. Um, the – Problem is, is that we still have to get that balance right where you need your midfield to be able to break up attacks before they put our defenders at risk. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I think somebody made the point that, you know, and this was kind of what Sid was saying the other day in the podcast is that and it's a it's an interesting point. I hadn't really considered it in this way, but Virial's classic style, which I would say Kaleha is still trying to do, albeit maybe in a different formation than Pellegrini or whatnot. But 
you know, Virial has always been regarded as kind of a, um, almost a little brother of, of Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, that the whole idea was possession football, playing it along the ground, playing the ball along the ground. We want possession and that will succeed for us. And modern football, I mean, that was true in the, in the noughties, right? I mean, we, but after the success of Spain, after the success of Barcelona, there's been this, um, sort of, uh, change where teams are, are essentially wanting the other team to possess the ball because yeah, then they were just waiting to hit them on that counter attack. Waiting to hit them on the counter. And that's, you know, and that's the only time that, you know, Virial has never been a, a club that has spawned wingers except during the Marcelino era because that counterattacking style was the way he played. Um, you know, we had, we had, uh, um, the whole idea was we waited, you know, we defended and then when we got our chance, we basically attacked very vertically um, with with fast players like Bakambu and uh, and Cherishev, you know, players like that. And that was a certain style of play. We don't have the ability to do that now. We don't have the personnel to do that now. And so the question is how, I mean, you know, things always change, things always cycle, but Essentially, you're trying to go now with, okay, with the possession football and trying to, and trying to score, um, with the sort of, that sort of attacking approach as opposed to the counter-attacking, um, flair that we had under Marcelino. Um, I think it can work fine. The problem is though that, um, if you're, Exposed, your back line is not that strong. Yes. Yeah, it ha- that, I was just about to input there and say that when you're mentioning the fact that you have possession football and the way that teams were finding to beat them was that counterattack, well, then what would be the most important part of that team to get exposed? And that's your back line. And obviously, teams like Barcelona can afford to do it with a stalwart like PK just sitting there for 15 years, being able to cover up any mistake that you have. But yep. when we don't have it, when we don't have it like that anymore, you, it was shown last year. I mean, more often than not, it was your back line getting exposed. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, that's the thing that, and I, you know, Barcelona, I mean, even more than PK, Carlos Puyol. I mean, Puyol to me is like one of the great underappreciated players of all time. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was, um, an outstanding defender and, you know, they could play, they could do everything they did up front because of him. And, you know, granted, players like that are very rare. But I think it goes back to what we wanted when we were looking for signing of, of defenders is for our, we really need a player who can step up and win the ball in midfield, whether that's a mid, a defensive midfielder, whether it's a, um, you know, more of us, somebody playing in the pivot of the 4-4-2 or whether it's your, um, defender, your center back playing far up the pitch. Doesn't matter, but you need to have 
somebody who can break up those attacks before they got started. Um, it was Rodri, you know, for us a couple of years ago. It was Bruno before that. Um, you know, maybe Anguissa can, can do that. I felt like when we had Caceres last year, I he's he's too small. <laughs> um, to, yeah. To play on a, yeah, I mean, I like the guy a lot. He, you know, I, I love his his enthusiasm and his and his work yeah. rate, but he's mm-hmm. he's just too easily muscled off the ball there. That's not really the job that he's best at. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I feel like in some ways we're still trying to figure out. We pretty much know what our, who our players are, but figuring out where to play them best is still uncertain to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think like I really love our signings that we've made so far. I just think yeah. that we don't quite know what we want to do with them yet. But like I said, I, I have no shortage of. I mean, I'm going to go full Sid mode here, but I'm feeling very optimistic about like who we've signed, who we've gotten in. Like I, I just like you said, I don't think they they've quite been used how I would like to see them used. But like you said, I mean, it's just it's a game. It's just one game, a practice game, and maybe that's just something he wanted to test out. Maybe it's not what he actually has plans for in the long term is using using the personnel like that, like we did out there today, um, playing Cazola uh, more defensively, Abora more up top. But like I said, that personally, I don't have a problem seeing Abora play farther up the pitch. I really don't. Right. Why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we can talk about we've got two friendlies left and just talk about maybe – um, a little bit about other teams in La Liga that and the preseasons they're going through or, or whatnot. But um, we'll take a brief break, and then we'll be back. And we're back. So let's let's we've got two preseason games left. Although the first one is is against Lanusia, which is I think that's the team that lent us their ground for the West Brom friendly. I be, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's that's going to be probably not that. I don't want to say not that competitive. It may be competitive, but I think it's going to be one of those games where we see a lot of subs in and out, and it's, it's really not going to have a, a a real narrative. And then our last preseason match is against Bologna, and then a week later the season starts. Um, so what? What's your feeling going into the season as far as other? I mean, let's not even talk about the the um, Real Madrid and Atletico and Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. Let's okay, but let's let's ignore them. But let's talk about the rest of the league. What? Well, I looking like. First off, I'll, I'll say I'll say right off the bat. I mean, um, I think Real Betis, Betis, who kind of like us. I mean, they're always kind of seemingly up. They are around where we are. They're either they're usually no further down the table than like twelfth or tenth. But you know, last season I believe they placed like sixth or seventh. They were just outside a couple of these spots. They were fighting till the very end. And I think honestly, they only got they only got stronger. I mean, they sold Lochelso, I believe, right? Um, I think it's or if it's not a done deal, it will be. I think I think there are people yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, as far as I know, yeah, it's not officially official, but I mean, I would be very surprised to see it not go through. But right. I mean, I think they personally, I think. They haven't officially signed Fakir yet, right? I don't think so. I think I think yeah, yeah. The thing that they it, were also rumored they were also rumored around him, but I think overall, I think they're one of the teams that I 
excited to see, actually. I think they only got stronger in general. Mm-hmm. And they've also got Ruby as coach, and I think he's an excellent coach. Um, you know, he, I, I think that's, they're a team that, I mean, I know, Be, you know, Betty's is always going to Betty's, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, they seem like a team that is getting it together and I think is going to be very interesting. Um, I guess Valencia seemed to have gotten at least temporarily this whole brouhaha between the owner and everybody sorted out. But uh, Lord, I, you know, I just don't have much confidence that Valencia can make it through a whole season without some sort of, some sort of internal crisis and struggle. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Plus, I think the extra problem for them is, you know, maybe it is or it isn't a problem really, but I mean, since they qualified for Champions League, I mean, a lot obviously, again, this season, they obviously have to continue what they were doing at last season and at least build off that. Well, the thing is, you know, I always look at them in Champions League and, and feel like that's kind of a double-edged sword for them because they're going to be playing a lot of games in Europe. Exactly. I mean, if they, if they finish, I don't think that, I mean, who knows who will be in their group, but... You know, they finish third in the group, they drop into the Europa League and keep playing, and it's like, I don't know. Yeah. And the other thing is, Marcelino, as much as I respect what he did for Villarreal, um, he's a difficult character. He really is, and I think, you know, his M.O. has always been that he's worn out his welcome after a couple of years. And, <laughs> you know, I can just, I, I, I don't know, I just don't see him... I just don't see this ending well. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, me neither. Actually, I'm not very high on them this season, and like you said, that's exactly because I feel they're going to be playing a lot of games. Um, you know, in the transfer market, they didn't do anything big, huge either. Um, so I mean, they're they're not somebody I'm very high on this season. What do you think about the teams that just got promoted? Obviously, I believe one of them, Granada, can't can't even sign any new players until they get their finances yeah, in order. Granada's, yeah, Granada's kind of stuck. Good, good, good for well, us since they're our first game, obviously. But. First game, yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's always it's always interesting with teams that get promoted to see how they how they um, how they do. I don't have a real good sense about any of them, um, to be honest. I think that. It was interesting. Last year we had um, people that were, when we did our um, promotion contest, I think one of the question um, questions I asked was how many of the teams that had been promoted the year before would be relegated? Because usually there are some. And yeah. At uh, least last, one, usually. And, you know, it was, it was interesting. Um, nobody in our in, in our prediction contest, got um, um, Girona to be relegated. I mean, I actually thought they had an outside chance, but of course I didn't enter it. So, um, you know, of the teams that are up there, that, that are coming up, um, Mallorca are interesting because they. this is a team, I mean, apart from the fact that they hate Virial, which is, you know, goes back to years, <laughs> but... Um, Mallorca are an interesting team because if they could ever get it together, they've got a, you know, they've got a, they could develop a pretty big fan base there in the islands. Um, 
you know, I think they are going to struggle. Uh, I guess of the three, Granada seemed the weakest to me. Yeah, my I was going to say that. I think considering all things considered, for me, I'm the lowest on Granada. Yeah. Um, personally, my feelings on um, Mallorca are higher just because I think the way they won their promotion in such like yeah. dramatic fashion, I, you know, watching the videos after after their promotion, I mean, they were just like, it was, it truly was awesome to see. I mean, I was happy for them. And I think they're going to take a little bit of that momentum into the season. I don't know how far it's going to take them, to be honest, but I, I think they're the team, I think, will come out of the gate playing a little bit better than the other two. I think that's right. And I think, and Osasuna are kind of a classic sort of cycle up and down team. And I think they are, you know, how well they do will really depend on how well they're able to work the, the loan market and the, and the free transfers. Um, yeah. I think I the one, the one thing I'll say about them is I remember reading one of your articles back when you were covering, um, La Liga 2, one of your articles like months ago. And I think, uh, something you said about them, like they were one of the best defensive teams in, you know, yes. in all of La Liga 2. And I think that always is interesting because when you go and you get promoted, I mean, you could be a team that scores a shit ton of goals and, and, you know, sorry, uh, in, in your, uh, in La Liga 2. But when you get to the big leagues, you need to be able to stop teams from scoring on you for as many as you can score. And I think that's mm-hmm. always been a problem with some of the teams. Like, oh, great, you know, you can score, but can you defend? And I think, I mean, the interesting part, obviously, they were the first, you know, the very first team to get promoted. So obviously, they're going to have something good about them, either defensively or offensively. But it's always better, I think, for a team when you come in, get promoted, and your defense is already kind of in order, or at least near as good as it could have been. Yeah, I think the, I think the, I'm, I'm just thinking like when, when Elche got promoted, um, the same year as, as we did, you know, they had a really strong defense. And what transpired in the, in La Liga was that, yeah, their attack was iffy and they, and they sort of, um, relied on catching lightning in a bottle from a, from a couple of players, but, they were very well coached. Um, that was Escriba, actually. And, um, that was, that was really, that kept them up. You know, I mean, they actually got relegated for the financial problems. They, yeah. they would have stayed up otherwise. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think, and Osasuna are, you know, it's always interesting. You've got a number of Basque teams in the league. And that means that there's automatically a lot of what I want to say. You've got a lot of local derbies, so you so you're you're kind of up for those. You've got a you know you're you're going to be you're going to be competitive. Um, you yeah. know you're going to be competitive. Uh, yeah, Granada to me, I mean, if they get if they're actually able to sign players, that would help. Um, but yeah, they seem the the weakest of the three. And then I guess of the teams that are left, I mean. Everybody last year seemed to think Balotelid were going to get relegated, and they managed not to. But I suppose – I don't know. I don't know how – Yeah, I, th- I think they're obviously – I don't think they'll – I still don't think they'll do any better than mid-table. But I, I don't know if they'll get relegated. I think it obviously it'll depend like a lot – like last season. Can In the early part, I mean, they were getting a lot of points, at least draws from teams I wouldn't think they would have gotten draws from. So, I mean, if they can do that again this season, who knows? I mean – they always have a chance, I think. Yeah, it's just it's just a, a lot of times you end up with teams that survive the drop one year that 
don't end up doing it the next or, or like what happened with Girona, you know, sometimes it's tough when you have teams that rely a lot on low knees and they kind of, some years they gel and sometimes they don't. And I felt like with Girona last year, that was kind of their problem was that when they got late in the year, when they needed points, they didn't have, um, they didn't have a leader to rally around. And, yeah. And I'm not sure, um, that's always a problem for the, for the teams that come up because they tend to rely a lot on, on low knees. Um, you know, Leganes, um, they've, they're another team that sort of scraped by and I think they've done, they're sort of at a, at a, um, tipping point where I think they got a lot of people last year liking the way that they got the most out of limited resources. But the question is, do you continue up, up that plateau or is, at some point does it get even yeah. with, you know, I mean, that, I think that's, that's the, that's the question. Um, I think obviously I was thinking about Sociedad next. I mean, they've been a perennial <laughs> mid-tier team, mid-table team for at least the last two or three years. Yeah. Well, they've been, I was going to say until Espanol, you know, managed to win all those games at the end to nab seventh. Espanol and Sociedad always struck me as a lot of like because they would sort of do just enough to be safe, but not enough to really yeah. trouble anybody, you know. Very, um, yeah, very late in the year when you'd like to see them push for it. I saw like a lot of uninspiring, just really uninspiring play. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's, I mean, Alaves and, and Abar are two teams that also do a lot with limited resources. I think, yeah, I think it, it, the thing with teams like that is it really takes, um, you, you know, you get a, an injury to a key, to a key player or you just, or the team just doesn't gel and it, and it can be a problem. Um, but I think in general, one of the effects of the TV money, um, being fairer is that it's not as easy as it used to be when you look at the start of the season to see three teams that are just like, oh, these, these guys are clearly not going to cut it, you know. They, even the teams that are just coming up are going to get enough money that they can afford to sign one, you know, five to ten million player who, if they, that happens to be their big goal scorer, that's great, you know. Yeah. Um, that, that may be all they need. Um, it's, we haven't talked about Celta because, oh, Celta are really interesting. Oh, yeah, wow. Because they're so weird. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, I honestly, I pin them to have a pretty, pretty good season, I would say. And I'll say because I really like their signing of Dennis Suarez. Um, mm-hmm. and I think also that Aspas was injured for a majority of the year. And I mean, it's so true. Some of the articles that I read is like, they go as he goes. I mean, he's Mr. Mr. Vigo, really. Like, I, you know, if he wasn't injured, I mean, they, they could have done, they wouldn't even have been in the relegation conversation. But because he was, they weren't getting goals from anywhere. I think Maxi Gomez as well, their other striker, I'm always super, super impressed with him. I mean, he was talking about getting sold for 40, 50 million to some English clubs, but I think that 
if Aspas is fully healthy, that that partnership, I mean, I think they're going to do really well this season. But that, of course, that's just you never really know. You don't, and I mean, but I I'm like you. I remember um, when the I was looking at the um, the 538 site that you know started doing all this statistical stuff on on leagues and. You know, with a couple of months to go, they were showing Celta as being the team, you know, one of the teams that was more likely for relegation. And I was just like, no, you know, if Ospos comes back, they'll be fine. And sure enough, he did. He did and he did, yeah. Yeah. Sure enough. I mean, and you saw what he did against us. I mean, you know. Yeah, it almost upset me because I think that was like his first game back. And I was just like, yeah. please, can you be out for one more game? He, he came back and he just, he lit us up. Yep. And I think, you know, I think the problem with Celta is their defense is, I mean, well, it's not just their defense is not that good, but the way that they play is like defense is sort of an afterthought, you know, that they, they really try to, try to attack and, and, and everything and score, which is great, but they leave themselves exposed at the back a lot. Um, but I, I think they're, a, I think they're a good team. Um, I don't know if I had to pick, I, I like Betty's I mean, I like Sevilla. Who we haven't talked about. I mean, Sevilla. I yeah, think yeah. are really good. They'll and, they'll they'll be up there. Yeah, I was impressed, yeah. of course, with them playing the preseason games. I've watched them so far. They're playing in a couple games of International Champions Cup, and I mean, they played they played very well. So just like every year, I'm pegging them to be you know at least in the top five. Probably maybe that last Champions League spot, most likely, um, yeah. is what I would go for. So that brings obviously to the next one. How do you think Hetafe does? Ah, uh, God, I, I know where I hope they finish. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just don't, I mean, to me, that seemed like a team that overachieved last year. And they got the most out of a limited roster. They got the most out of aging strikers. Um, I think they're back to being 10th to 13th. That's my feel. All right, fair enough. I mean, I I obviously agree. I don't. I don't obviously don't think that they um they get anywhere near the Europa League or Champions League spots. But I I'd, I'd still peg them for a little bit better than you think. Uh, I think that maybe surprisingly someone more near like eighth, maybe even seventh. I think they're still capable of doing it at least for one more year. And I think that's because um they play the, the really defensive style. I believe you were talking about mm-hmm. that one time. And I think that just like we were talking about with a team coming up from Division Two coming up with already good defense, I think a team with an established defense like theirs playing very defensively, at the very least, I mean, if they can't get any production out of those strikers, at the very least, they'll they'll draw a bunch of games and gain points. Um, so, you know, I don't think that they'll have a, a horribly let down season. I don't think that any type of European places are in the cards this year for them. But I, I don't think that they'll do that bad. Yeah, I guess to me the thing about them is that they um, last year got all those goals from Angel and and Jorge Molina, who are both in their 30s. I guess Molina is like 37 or something. And I don't know. I just feel like it's it's kind of like um, athletic club relying on arteries. You know, at some point in yeah, your what's going to give something's going to give. And Hatafe's problem is, is that, you know, last year I was just looking at the stats here. Okay. They had 48 goals scored 35 against, which was 
tied for joint second best in the league, along with Valencia, actually. Um, Atletico being the best defense. But, you know, if that... As always. If, yeah, if that 48 gets knocked down to something like 40, I mean, they're going to be a mid-table team. You know, I just... I mean, I don't think they'll be relegated because I think their defense is good enough. But they... Somebody commented, you know, their style is basically to... You, you make the game in midfield a series of one-on-one battles and eventually you get the ball forward to somebody who can score with it. But if they don't score with it, you're going to end up with a lot of nil-nil draws. Yeah. So anyway. Um, other than well, that, are we missing anybody besides the top two or three? Who are we missing? Well, oh, I don't know. Um, what about Athletic Club? I mean, they're always kind of – they did pretty well last year, finishing eighth. Espanol, I think, are on their way down. I think they're. Um, yeah, yeah. They're not. I, mean, gonna... I don't. I don't. I don't see them being able to sign anyone to replace their center back that they just sold. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least for the near future. Yeah. Athletic club, I think, are interesting because they. I mean, they're interesting in part because of their signing policy, which sort of limits what they can do. But they exactly. Also, it's almost amazing. It's almost amazing, really. I mean, oh, it is. When I first heard of that years ago, I was like, "Wow, same." But I mean, but the flip side of that is they got incredible buy-in from the players they have. You know, I mean, you got. I mean, they. Yeah, they really do. I mean, it's where you're from. It's like paying. It's obviously playing for your hometown team. So they give it everything they got. And when I watch their games, it's always what I'm most impressed with. Um, I think that. Someone who's primed for an even bigger season that they had last season was uh, Anaki Williams, who they had. Because every time I watched him, I mean, he was just electric. I mean, like they're they're not gonna have anybody like him for a long time after he either gets sold or, or retires. Who knows what's gonna happen? But yeah. um, every time I watch him, I'm like, wow, you know, a, a true diamond in the rough. Because if it wasn't for him, like you're saying, I mean, who do they rely on? Adurees? Like, that's it's tough. Yeah, and I think that, well, the thing that they've, when, the thing that Athletic Club have always been good at is by their makeup, by the fact that they can't just go out and sign whoever they want, they've always had to build a team where they've sort of looked at, okay, who are our two or three best players? You know, who's our key guy in the back, you know, that we want to, that we, that we marshal the defense around? Who is our key player in the middle who can get the ball forward to, to who's our guy who's going to score. And if, and they've got some good young talent there or good, I don't want to say middle age, but you know, middle career talent. Um, Munyain is an excellent player. He's, he know you know, he's had some injuries, but he's a, he's an incredible player. I really like him. I agree with you about Inyaki. Um, if there's going to be a team that surprises me, it's going to be Athletic Club, I think. Yeah. I think that. I mean, if you go down the line, you say, obviously, the first four Champions League spots. Fifth is Europa League. Maybe six, right? Um, so, obviously, you pick Barcelona or Real. Most likely, Barcelona finished first. Yep. Um, I, I think Atletico, I mean, they sold. I mean, gosh, they must have sold what, six or seven of their most named players. Um, yeah, they're retooling, re- yeah. They, yeah, I don't. I'm not picking them to have a, a great season at all. Believe it or not, I mean, they, I know they look good in preseason, and I see it. I mean, Joao Felix, by all accounts, looks like he's everything they paid every cent for. I understand Diego Costa's lighting it up, being the Diego Costa, 
But yeah. I think overall, I, I think overall, um, I, I'm not sold on their defense. And I mean, that's obviously where they get their namesake from and they keep the least amount of goals out in the entire league, as you just mentioned. But I think that trying to replace somebody like Godin, I mean, that's a generational talent right there. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be super tough. So obviously, like you said, with, um, with Hetafe, I mean, if they start letting up even five, six, seven more, eight goals than, than you usually see them do, I mean, it, it's going to be tough, even with the amount of talent they have up front. So, I mean, I, I don't think they'll finish second again or even sniff the league, winning the league at all. So you think Barca will take it in a canter pretty much? I mean, it's, if what we see from Real Madrid continues, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that I, – I don't think I, – I don't want to say they're going to run away with it. I think anybody hates the idea that the fact that the season will be over by, by December. But, I mean, if Real doesn't get it together in some yeah. way, shape, or form, kind of like us, I mean, they have talent. I, I don't – they just don't know who to put where and what to use. Like, I, I don't – they just signed Hazard. I mean, he's doing good so far, but – you just until they figure out how to use people, they're not going to threaten anybody for the league title. I th- I think personally. So if that's a problem, I don't think Atletico's ready to do it either. I think that, um, you know, it's done. And I think the other thing that that is probably worth thinking about, and maybe this is a topic for another conversation, but you know, one of the things that we're looking at here is how is La Liga doing compared to. Serie A compared to EPL. And, you know, I look at the teams at the top of La Liga right now and I don't see the, the sort of scary quality that I saw, um, you know, five, ten years ago. It feels to me as though the, there's a bit of a rebuild going on, certainly with, with Atleti, that's true. But, you know, we've seen some good players leave. Um, I mean, look at, mm-hmm. look at us. I mean, you know, we've had Fornals, um, most recently move, move to England. Um, there are, you know, I think it's a real concern for the league that. Yeah. Yeah. Should, I think, and I think also just to interject really quick, because you reminded me. Move. Yeah. Yeah. But Barca, I mean, if you think about it, Barcelona, if you read recently, has been losing out on a lot of, a lot of young town, a lot of young kids choosing to go elsewhere, which I mean, is very surprising. Considering yep. they have one of the best academies in the world, that's always that's always interesting. Every time I read an article about that, seeing the trend of young players, people they've brought up in their academy choosing to leave to other places. Yes, that's that's the thing that's that's interesting. That's one of the things that's interesting. And you know, I just look at players that are. Um, it seems that it's not. I mean, it's not just Villarreal, but. A lot of teams now are. We don't have the we La Liga teams apart from the top three don't have the money to compete with even a mid-table EPL club. And yeah. the money in Italy is great for you know if, if you're going to Juventus or Napoli or somebody like that. So yeah, it's a it's going to be interesting to see how the league fares. Um, in the European competitions and, and also just, you know, where are we, where are we in terms of, um, attracting big talent that stays? I mean, yeah, we have Messi, we have, um, we, the league have Messi, we have, um, Luis Suarez, who's, you know, not, who's getting on in years. Yeah. I mean, they're already talking about this summer. They were talking about 
maybe possibly selling him to uh to the new team in Miami. That was just a pipe dream, though, sadly. But, yeah, yeah it gives you an idea. He's, he's getting up there. I mean, he was once, yeah, superstar talent, but now he's winding down. So you can say, what, you have Messi still at the top of his game, best A number one, probably best player in the world. I think most people can agree. Uh, mm-hmm. Cristiano chose to leave, but that was after putting already, like, eight or nine years' work in in La Liga. So, obviously, he felt maybe right. a combination. Like, he was ready to leave, and Real Madrid was ready to go away. Yeah, but he's gone. Um so, so who can you say, I mean, besides them two, who can you say has come to La Liga as a superstar in his prime, ready to go? Yeah. Like re- recently. I mean, honestly. I mean, Joao Felix isn't established yet, so I'm not going to count him. He had some a great season at Benfica, but he's not obviously not there yet. Costa, I mean, you can also argue that he is not at the top yet. I mean, Griezmann was already here. He was probably top five, you can consider. You can say Hazard. But I'm going to discount him because everyone and their mother knew since five or six years ago that his dream was to play for Real Madrid one day. So that was just a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, a, it's that's right. So I think the question is, and we'll, we'll see how this plays out over the course of the season, but it's, it's a little disturbing that – even, I mean, I've been used to it, you know, you're used to it for Villarreal or, or for Betis or for a team like that. But it's interesting, as you say, that even the top three now are starting to miss out on some names that they really want. Yeah, um, yeah Matai, Delit, Delit was a good one this summer that I think everyone had pegged him for Barcelona yeah. duty as a why not, as a replacement with their center backs getting older. But yeah, they need one in, one in chose Juve. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be the thing that'll be interesting to see, which may mean that we have a very wide open league where we've got a lot of, there may, there may not be a lot of spread between team four and team 17. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, one side, like you said, it's good. I mean, for the league to be more competitive will always be better. Um, I think more people will watch, more people will attend games instead of just waking up every morning and saying, Oh, well, Another year, another another year. Barcelona's going to win the title, or another year, Real Madrid's going to win the title. I mean, in that way, yeah, it would be better. I just also think of it as the other way, um, in the fact that, in the fact that if if we're they're missing out on top players, if they do sign those young top players, um, you know, they potentially can get loaned out to us. It could potentially make the league more watchable as well. So it affects us in different ways. Yeah, it does. It, it does. It's, but it is interesting that to see how that's changed over the last few years and, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what happens, um, this year. Anyway, we should probably wrap it up for tonight, but, um, we have uh, a couple of friendlies coming up this next week and then we can kind of sit down and take stock of what we have and get ready for the season. So we're, Fantastic. we're almost. Yeah, so for, we're almost for Joe, we're almost there. I mean, overall, I'm gonna say I'm still like Sid. I'm still positive. I'm still uh, feeling pretty good about our signings, and I'm hoping we can get it. You know, we can get everyone in the right spot that we need. So I'm still very optimistic. That sounds good. All right, optimism is the thing to is the thing to carry with us, and we'll we'll um, do that. And so for Joseph, this is Alan, and until next week, and the Van Vier Real. And the Van.